There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What's happening, people? And welcome to the It's All Blackademic podcast with your boy, Jordan Jarrett-Brian. And I'm joined here for our very first It's All Blackademic podcast with the man that produces the show, the man that puts a lot of the magic into what you've seen in previous shows. Alex Reed, what are you saying, Alex? Oh, man, I'm good, man. I'm good, man. You're giving me, making me blush. Come here. on, man. Come on. It's just, just facts out here. Facts, <laughs> facts, all facts. No, everything's good. Everything's good? good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's still a bit cold. It's not as cold today as it could be, but it's colder than it than I would like it to be. So you know what? I'm just getting on doing what we're doing. You know, a lot I mean? of people talk about this cold thing. Mm-hmm. It ain't that cold. You know what? It's yeah. cold, but it's not like... A, nothing that a scarf, a, a hat, gloves, and an, and an adequate coat. That's fix. true. That's true. It's not like, man. That's true. I have to say, autumn and winter are my, my favorite seasons because you can dress up. As in, I'm with you. You dress up for 100%. it. 100%. When it comes to summer and it's too hot and it just becomes I'm sticky. I'm not a t-shirt and shorts guy. That's not but me. everybody complains about every season in this country. The, the fact that we don't <laughs> even have seasons is another question that I need to be asking. I, I Once like, I meet the man at the pearly gates, I'd be like, so what happened? <laughs> what, happened <laughs> what was going on? Why'd you put me in Britain for? But it's fine. Um, um, no, I'm, I'm a winter fashion kind of guy as well. I'm about it. Um, now, Alex produces a show that goes out on our YouTube channel, but we're really excited to be here doing a podcast too, um, hosted by the brilliant ACAST as well. So shout out to ACAST Fantastic for hosting guys. us as well. We wanted to give uh, the pod's listeners and the pod audience something a bit extra than just the show that we film that you'll see go out on our YouTube channel. So before I explain uh, the menu... Um, I want you guys to basically just remember to go and subscribe to this podcast. Please go to ACAST. We're, we're brand new to the ACAST family, so go and check us out on, um, and subscribe to the show and all of our socials as well. We're across all Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Alex, have you subscribed, by the way? Have you subscribed? Uh, subscribe to ACAST? Yep, have you subscribed to, to our it's all like a dip. Listen, I literally <laughs> just downloaded the ACAST app a few months, I'm, a few I'm, weeks ago. Listening, nah, listening. the thing is, right, because I'm really getting, I'm just literally getting used to the platform because obviously same, mostly same. lit's on there as well. Yes. So I'm just a bit like, like trying to figure out how to use it. But of course, when I'm on there, I've been Googling all the podcasts I need to find. So just right. question, so you, you you may recognize Alex's name or his voice from another podcast that he does. Just tell us a little bit about Mostly Lit. Oh, okay, yeah. So Mostly Lit is a books and pop culture podcast that comes out each and every Monday, hosted by myself and Ray, Ray Yifu Rafiq. Um, and we've been doing that for the past three, three or so years. Um, and then I host my own other podcast, What Matters with Alex Reads. And that comes out... Um, every Wednesday as of March, the beginning of March. So 
Yeah. To go and check it out, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's out there online. But so we're not here to talk about, about those. We're here no, to talk about... No, but I wanted about... to give you a shout-out, because that's, that's your other work, of course. Oh, I wanted yeah. to give that a shout-out. All right, so basically, me and Alex, every week, are going to go uh, through uh, what we've kind of seen across the news, and just briefly, chew mm-hmm. over the fat of any news, or anything we've seen that's caught our eye um, over, the, over the previous days and weeks. Um now, anything that's caught your eye in particular? You, 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 yeah, anything to start with you? What's, what's been catching? Um, I think the, the one thing for me uh, that was quite, um, that's been quite a bit developing story that's been going on for a while is the whole, the precarious nature of digital journalism now, mm-hmm. as we, as we've seen it. We've seen a lot of, um, of our colleagues being laid off mm-hmm. and people, a lot of them lo- losing their jobs and losing their, their, Positions at, at very prominent uh, media organisations, and I just think I just think that it's a. I'm really interested just to see what is the particular issue with what's happening now because I'm reading a, I'm reading an article in the Los Angeles Times, written by Michael Bobelian, and he is basically asserting that you know the Washington did he say the Washington Post. Um, no, the Los Angeles Times, they surpassed 4 million subscribers with a paywall mm-hmm. that they have on their, uh, on their website and for their paper. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. And still maintained, you know, upscale journalism and like, you know, a, a working and a very functioning newsroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at the, the like, on the British side, what we have here, and obviously the paywall comes across on the Times, the Telegraph. And obviously the Guardian has its, uh, you know, its voluntary subscription that you mm-hmm. can utilise. And... Looking at all the platforms that are that are kind of you know prided themselves on free and accessible media and journalism and news, um, they're all the ones that are crumbling mm-hmm. at the moment, and it's quite devastating to watch. So I was just really curious as to what you thought as somebody who works in broadcasting, because <clears throat> my my thing has been primarily print and digital journalism itself. So I think there's still a market, and I think there's still a, a, a need and a wanting for. Um, print articles and print journalism out there for sure but I think that we're kind of seeing we're seeing the pendulum quite quickly shift in the way that people want their news in video form mm. do you know what I mean people yeah. want people want to see um, clips people want to see videos people want to see visuals 
as the as the almost a translator of their news. Um, that could be down to a lack of la- maybe a laziness in wanting to just read what people are writing. But I think it's in this age of very short time span and a very short uh, attention span from people. They want to get their, the, the, what's the story in 60 seconds in a video form? Mm. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to spending five minutes, 10 minutes reading an article. I, I, I think it's a lot of that. We've seen a decline in obviously print journalism over the last probably decade. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of the print, print uh, formats have invested a lot of money and resources into um, video content as well, so it's not massively surprising. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But, um, but it's like it's like when you have to think about what you kind of want to what you want to see on your on your print on your digital journalism, mm-hmm. I guess, because mm-hmm. obviously the pool have gone into administration. They look like they may be no longer, and obviously we lost a shortlist uh, last year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's quite telling to look at websites like Metro.co.uk and the Mail Online who pride themselves on the amount of advertising that they put on the website mm. in order to generate the funds to keep the, the organisation exactly. going. Yeah. So it's like, well, on a moralistic stance, and you don't want to have all those adver- adverts, you don't want to clog up the the page mm. with all those things, but at the same time, you've got to pay bills and you've mm. got to make sure that it lasts. And are people actually willing to pay for this level of content. Talk to me about this 21 Savage. Uh, oh, <laughs> What's going on? Because I've, I've read the story and, um, you know, I don't, I've never heard this guy before. The story. Ah. No, I've never heard of him. All right. Um, so basically, um, <laughs> 21 Savage, um, who's, you know, he's a rapper and he's been very much been associated with Atlanta, Georgia, and he's just basically, he's been in that kind of scene for a long time. Um, he has been arrested by ICE, the US Immigration and Customs Enforcement, mm-hmm. um, who say that he's actually a UK citizen who, who overstayed his visa in 2006, I would say, 2005 or something. Oh, wow. really went, so, so not even like a couple of years. Yeah, no, he <laughs> was, I think, yeah, so he was young. So it says in July 2005, when he was 13, his name is Abraham Joseph, entered the US legally, but stayed in the country after his visa expired a year later. Um, so, I mean, it's a question about, like, I think, again, I'm questioning to myself, why is this such a big story? But also, but also, like, a lot of people are outraged just because, you know, a man of his profile, the, the kind of stuff that he's done, that I think it's more of a, I feel like it's more of an outrage about this, the way that they operate as a system for immigrants in the country. I was going to say, is this kind but, of part of a wider political yeah, kind of... That's what, from someone outside of the okay. the, the, the frame looking okay. in, that's mm-hmm. probably what I would think the outrage what should or could be about. Um, Otherwise, you know, the internet's going to do the internet and they basically, everybody's done memes about him and done, and done videos of like rapid, like his, his videos and they've done like put grime on top of it because obviously, (laughs) you know what I mean? He's like, oh, he's always a British rapper now and they're saying that the sword on his, um, on his head, forehead is the sword of Arthur. Oh, wow. um, King. Yeah. So whatever. But otherwise, yeah, like I think it's, but I think it's really strange that he managed to stay there for so long without having, without being caught. Or that, be, mm. or that being brought up, um, and I think that it could just be as simple as him just getting a working visa mm. and working there because he's been working. I would imagine he's been paying his taxes. Mm. I mean, let's assume it's, he it's, is. Let's assume he is. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, like I, I think it's just I think these things are always blown out, blown out 
and blown up into completely different things and stories and questions. And you know, when certain certain commentators get a hold of it, like Tommy Lyron has had got a hold of it now, Mm -hmm. and then she's been saying, "Oh, um, you know, he should get a work visa and all blah 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 blah." This is the American law and all this stuff. But I think it could have just been as simple as that from the very beginning. I Mm -hmm. I don't know why it had to make news like that well I think it's going to rumble anyway um, I just want to say a quick final shout out to a young man called Etienne Akek um, I hope I hope I pronounced his name correctly um, young young man who I saw a clip on Twitter he was on ITV News uh, recently and he had been in Parliament talking uh, I think this guy's like 12, 13 years old and he uh, was in Parliament talking made a very impassioned speech about um, knife crime and it, the fact that it's rooted in, in poverty, inequality and lack of opportunity. I'm trying to find the clip again and they've kind of, I think they've taken it down or he's taken it down. But um, he spoke very, very well, spoke many, many truths. I just want to make just a big shout out to finish on a positive um, uh, to Etienne because that was a very, mm. very good speech. So shout out Etienne for that. Shout um, out, shout out. So just to, before we get into the actual show uh, this week, guys, do not forget to subscribe to the ACAST podcast. Follow us on all of our socials as well. We after you hear this week's debate, you will hear a section we called Overrated or Underrated, where we get one of our guests that featured on the show to talk about something, someone or a period in time that they feel uh, within the black community was either underrated or overrated. And we've got some really good examples um, for you over the next few mm-hmm. weeks. So that will be after the show. So there's extra content. Check that out as well. The show this week is going to be about whether black people more black people should go vegan. It was a really good discussion we had um, with three fantastic guests about veganism. Yeah. And, uh, you know, is it as good as everyone's making it out to be? Is it something that the black community um, should be should be more looking towards than, say, other, other cultures as well? So enjoy the show, um, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Cheers, Alex. What's happening, people? Welcome to this week's episode of It's All Blackademic with your host, myself, Jordan Jarrett Bryan. And this week on the show, I want to talk about whether black people should be going vegan. Before I get into that and my panel, I want to do a shout out to all of our socials as per usual. You should be following us by now on all of our socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that jazz. I know that you're all on at least one of those platforms. So please follow us on all of those. And don't forget to subscribe to us on our channel here, Blackademic TV. Right. To have that debate around black people and eat, going vegan. I've got here Devin Patterson, who is a meat eater. I've got Lenise Brothers here, who's a nutritionist. And I've got uh, Paula Tate or Tete even, who is a vegan here. Um, right, let me start with you, Paul. Yes, sir. You're a vegan? Yep. Tell me why. Why? Um, do you know, about about seven years ago, mm-hmm. I just started, I guess, asking a lot of questions, right? A lot of questions health-wise, why do a lot of things happen to my brothers and sisters, you know, from diabetes to, to cancers. And I guess the conclusion that I made at that time was you know, food has a, a factor in that. And based on the information that I had, I literally decided to cut everything out. That was about seven years ago. At that point, I didn't really know what veganism was. I didn't know plant-based. I didn't know any of these titles. It was only maybe after three years of actually living like that. Where it's like people go, oh, you're vegan. I'm like, nah. I'm, I used to call myself Dungutarian. It's like my own, okay. my own thing. <laughs> and then I pretty much just kind of carried on like that. Sorry, where did that come from? <laughs> so like my platform or... Before I went vegan, I used to kind of share health videos online, like YouTube pull-ups, dips yeah. and stuff like that. And the platform's called Dungo Book. 
Okay. Right? So it's like the way of the Dungu is Dungutarian, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's different. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, let me come to you, Devin, now. You're not vegan, you eat meat. Yeah. Is turning vegan and that, that dietary change in your lifestyle, would that be something that you would ever consider mm, doing? No, I can't say it's not something that I would never consider doing. But um, going back to your original question in terms of is it something that black people should do as a collective community, um, no, quite honestly. Um, going back to what it is, veganism and the way that it was, the way it's been constructed over time. Um, Roger Crabb, 1644, um, Charles Watson, 1944, coined the phrase, you know, um, veganism. Um, reflectively, as a, as a culture, as a, as a people, I'd like to be doing something that my people are, or are, was doing back in the day. Mm. Like, um, it's not something that's tethered to, to our people. It's not mm. the dietary uh, param- parameters that we used to eat. It's, it isn't. So it's not reflective of that. So as, as that being the main driver, a uh, collective people, as black people, to take on uh, a, a, a dietary pattern mm-hmm. that's reflective of other people, it doesn't make sense. As an individual, that's a totally different question. Mm-hmm. Um, as an individual, you are entitled to do whatever's best for your body. Mm-hmm. So if it's best for your body to maybe cut out fish or to cut out certain meats, that, that's fine. That, make, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But what's dangerous is to use the black community mm-hmm. as a vehicle mm-hmm. to drive a message. That, that's dangerous. And there's a reason why. Um, you know, in America now, it's gone from 3 million people in the last three years, 3 million vegans to now 20 million. There's, there's a massive growth worldwide. That's like, it's like, three, it's like 300 million now. That there's a reason for that. And the reason is industry. And, and the reason is, you know, um, there's, there's fads and there's trends and those things happen. So if we, as a black community, which and who I believe are the gatekeepers of what is cool, we're the gatekeepers of what's trendy. We usually say what happens and what so direction. So yeah, it's just the way we are in terms of the fashion industry, in terms of clothing, in terms of music. We've always been the main drivers of what, what is you know, um, cool and acceptable to do. If we then take that on, we need to take responsibility for something that wasn't created by us. So we need to sort of think about that, I believe. Um, Lenise, A, do you agree? And B... I take Devon's point that as a homogenous group of people, you know, the question's a little bit kind of inflammatory, of course. But do, 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 are, are our bodies any different medically to anybody else's that means that that diet is something that we need to do more than anybody else? Um, I think, you know, there's the whole point of bio-individuality where you have, as you say, you know what's best for your body and you need to listen to your body. And that's very much what I do with my clients. I think there are kind of social and economic issues that we need to think about where, you know, we, there's an access issue um, with regards with some communities, some black communities where they just can't get the fresh foods. There's a time issue. There's a budgetary issue. So it is a privilege to be able to pick and choose the diet that you want to go up to. Um, for some people, they just need food. And whatever food they can get they will eat Um, with regards to whether or not we can say that all black people should go vegan I think yeah it's a very controversial provocative question yeah (laughs) Um, but I think you know there are 
communities within the black community that are historically vegan. So you have the Rastafarians, historically vegan. You have the... So, so on, on that, I was going to come to that later on, but I'm glad you mentioned that. Are, are Rastas, are they just thinking, hang on a minute, we've been doing this for a hot minute, but this isn't, does that binds Devon's point that this is just maybe just potentially a trendy fad that's come, up, that's come about? Mm, I think, yeah, that's a really good point. There's when you look at the wellness community and in the UK who is representing plant-based or vegan it's very much a certain group a certain within a certain economic space but then if you look at the roots of veganism you have rastafarians who have been practicing it for a long time who probably are saying well you know we're just focusing on eating plants mm-hmm. and you know thinking about our bodies clean as living. yeah clean living so these this kind of i wouldn't say that veganism has been appropriated but you know you look at who's speaking about it and speaking in the UK and speaking about it as it, it's something that is completely new i think that's kind of problematic mm-hmm. uh, do you think we're addicted to meat do you think the black people it's 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 it's, it's an, we love meat and we've eaten meat for so long to break away from it, even when there's lots of facts that say that it can be dangerous for the body, is difficult to do. I feel like in regards to meat and, and chicken, and it's this culture, in a sense, it's culture. You know, if you've been doing something for so long, it's more likely you're going to carry on. I've seen my parents do it. I've seen, it's just what's normal. I wouldn't say it's an addiction. I guess it's hard to see the other side of, of that. You just kind of carry on. And that's what I believe it is. It's just people carrying on with what they're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linnis, do black people have a, a poor attitude towards what we eat generally? I mean, in, in my direct culture and community, Jamaican heritage, some of the foods that we eat, we call it hard food. Mm-hmm. And it tastes good, but it can't be healthy to eat a plate of dumplings, <laughs> yams, green bananas... Um, what else, Devon? Come on, the, the place rammed. That can't be healthy, but it tastes good. Do, do we generally put vegan to one side for a second? Could we, should we be eating better, just period? Yeah, I think if you look at kind of culturally, um, the in the Caribbean, African Americans, African Canadians, there is a lot of starch and there's a lot of emphasis on meat. And so, you know, anyone, everyone can always eat more vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is i wouldn't say that the food culturally is bad because it's delicious mm-hmm. um yes. but you know there is everyone can eat more vegetables i think just going back to the question about whether or not black people are addicted to meat it's a really interesting one because you look at african americans and the like connotations of oh they always eat chicken mm-hmm. and fried chicken and Popeyes and oh Beyonce she's a vegan but isn't she going to miss Popeyes and, <laughs> and um, but if you look at black women specifically mm. they have a higher black women we have a higher um, risk of developing fibroids which are basically non-cancerous growths mm-hmm. um, 70% of women of African origin will develop fibroids and a lot of that is driven by estrogen and estrogen that you get through meat Mm -hmm. and so the hormones that are put in meat so there's a whole conversation about not necessarily being addicted to meat but making sure you're eating the right kinds of meats 
um, because there's a whole health conversation there that isn't necessarily being discussed. Um, something else that kind of came to, to mind, Devin, was do you get a sense there's almost an element of a shame culture to meat eaters? We've all been out of that place, and then when you order a food and you're around vegans and you order the meat, you get that look I mean, like, there's two problems here. There's two problems. The, the, the first problem would be... Um, one, um, you're, everyone has their own story and everyone has their own position and the inclination that one person's story or one person's diet is more important than the others should be, and should be trumped by that, that's dangerous um, and you can be in a space right now because um, there's a lot of things going on socially um, and there's a lot of things that maybe morally we, we acclimatise more to like the killing of animals obviously when you, a lot of people don't look at how animals are dealt with and kept and when they see that they're shocked, and that shock then transfers into guilt, and um, and then and then that's the platform on which you obviously have in these these conversations with these people. Um, my point and my standpoint is that in order to live, something must die. Like that's the circle of life. There's a wonderful movie. I'm sure you've all seen it, um, The Lion King. Just go and have a look. Um, the, the song was brilliant, but it, it, it speaks to a truth. Um, and even as a vegan. Uh, there's plants that right now, if you look into uh, in Asia, they're being coated with all sorts of different things uh, and um, obviously be given growth hormones. They're also dangerous for your health in order to keep up with the, with the amounts that, that we're now consuming. Mm-hmm. So, that, so it, becomes a, it becomes a little bit of a quagmire, doesn't it? Um, so I'm not too sure in terms of your original question whether if I'm sitting in a room and someone's there and I get that look whether I feel guilty anymore I actually don't because I just taking all the elements of the situation actually you think actually no you're not more important than me your truth isn't more important than mine and until you can give me a real rational reason as to why I'm not I shouldn't eat this they're not going to um, and it just and again it comes down to ancestry and for me it's balance mm-hmm. when we go back to the Inuits the Inuit tribe if you go back to the, the Maui tribe if you go back to the Tutsi tribe where we, where we originally come from, it was all about environment, diet, and nature. That, that was, and they kept all of those things balanced. So if they killed something, they replaced it with something else to keep that cycle alive, and that made sense. They didn't eat too much meat. Meat was more of a delicacy, that sort of thing, but it was still very much part of their diet. They didn't exclude it. It didn't make sense because it was part of their protein to give them protein. So for you to come to me and tell me that needs to be removed with no real core reason it's sort of you're, you're replacing illusion and emotion with with constructive reasoning to be honest like and that's not something that i'm willing to do um, paul you're a big guy <clears throat> so there'll be there'll be, you are there'll be people watching this and thinking he's a big guy and he's vegan what do you consume and what do you eat as part of your training as part of your gym work that replaces and this is a proper you know one-on-one abc kind of question but mm. literally what do you consume to kind of maintain your health and, and, and your size and your strength that where meat is not involved. Do you know, when I, when I changed my diet, right, it's only, let's say, about three years or four years in when I started making more videos in regards to, like, eating plant-based that people started highlighting all these potential problems, like uh, the protein this and deficiencies that. Mm-hmm. For me, I was like, you know what? I'm going to live like this. I'm going to figure out a way to potentially live like this, if you get what I mean. And I started looking into nature. I was like, okay, some of the biggest animals in the world, they eat like this, you know, like the horses, elephants and whatnot. If they don't have any issues, I can't see why I would have any potential issues. Mm-hmm. You with me? Mm-hmm. So I looked at nutritionally, nutrition, nutritionally balanced foods, you know, 
good carbs, good proteins, and I just pretty much stuck with those, like your chickpeas, your quinoa, maramp, um, beans, like the hard food as well, like, you know, sweet potato, the yams. And I pretty much had very similar foods and just keep carrying on with those. Do you, think, do you think your body that you've developed mm-hmm. now, do you think you could have got to that state from your, obviously your childhood years, mm-hmm. teen years, not eating meat, and have still got to the same physical stature without meat? Do you think that, that would, that's a possibility? I'm, I'm under no illusion that that would have been the case, 100%. Okay. Okay. The thing is, yeah, the thing is, look, obviously I was chubby, you know, I've trained for, I trained a little while before I actually trained my dad. And in that space, I've seen the differences between how I am now and how I was then. Like, I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm the strongest. I've been in my life and a lot more than other people. A lot of people come to me and take elements of what I do and apply it to their own life. You see me, like, there's diff- people are different. Like, I've never actually said to someone, you know, you should go vegan or you should go plant-based. I believe that if somebody said that to me, I would have told them where to jog, you know what I mean? Because I, I love different foods like the rest of people. So, like, my ideology and how I show people is, like, I live my life in a certain way, and then it's all about balance for some. Like, you can take little pits that like some people take, the chickpeas, you know? Mm-hmm. They eat that part of it, or they take the lentils, and they see the benefits, then ask the right questions. Like, hey, you know what? Maybe I could add this part to my life, and that might lead you to go vegan. It might not, but mm-hmm. as you spoke about, that the balance for me is is key, you know? Me, I don't do anything 50-50. Um, if, I, if I'm doing it, I'm going kind of all the way with my direction. And based on the information that I, I've learned, and I feel like you should question your belief regularly. Like, even if you are vegan, you shouldn't be doing it because, you know, there's a crew behind you. Like, I was doing it when it was just me. You know, before I knew what it was, people were like, oh, you don't eat meat. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you should always question your beliefs, but also, you know, Figure out what works for you. You know, as you said, that like, people are different. It's all about that balance. So, how far you said you don't do anything half-heartedly? How far do you take being a vegan? Is it beyond yeah. what you eat? Do you know what? Do you know what it is like. There's obviously the difference between plant-based and vegan, right? You know, like some people say to me, "Hey, you know what? This meal here is organic, or like it's organic meal." And like, you know what? Organic is nature. That's before we before we got to label it. Yeah, to label it organic. So, like, these terms, people have been living like this before that these terms came to be. It just so happened that I wanted to get back to nature. If you met me back in 2012, 2013, I'm like, I want to get back to nature. I researched, like, certain things I won't get into, like my ancestors and how they used to live, like, digging up mummies, what was in the context of their belly and things like such. And I realized, you know what, this is, this is for me, if you, if you get what I mean. And the, the point I'm trying to say is, Sorry, repeat the question one more time. Now I was wondering how, how far, how, how far, far do you take so it? So yeah, yeah, plant-based, you've got to fit the... So could I ask you that, yeah. couldn't it be, oh, this is just a random question, but it's sort of unsustainable because if you're saying to me, um, if it's a total vegan and we're going to take it to the, to the lengths of where we need to take it, like, we're not going to go no hearts, but no honey, no leather, no, 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 no leather, no, no um, vaccines that you might have to give to your children because they're animal like, tested. When you, I mean, when, you, when you say, let's say today you said to yourself, oh, I'm Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Now you say to yourself, you're Christian. Everything that's in regards to that Christianity is now people ask that of you. In a sense, if people say, oh, what, you smoke now, or in the Bible it says this, or you drink now, in the Bible it says that. So I guess it is how far you want to take it. Like sometimes, you know, I do have things that I live on. Hopefully my, my subscribers don't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> but 
do you know that there's that balance for me when I got into the game I got into it strictly for the health benefits I didn't adhere to any terms even now I feel like because of how it's going and the whole industry and the whole perception of it, I'm I'm just me again. Like, I don't really speak about it much, you know what I mean? So let me ask you, what are the health benefits? What have you noticed? For me, everything in my life is better. Beforehand, I was a bit, I was angrier. I was, you know, had a shorter fuse. I had, um, I was obviously a bit chubbier. I had less low energy. Like, you see me now, I'm always up. I'm always up and I'm, I'm raring to go. Like, the thing about it, I feel like you should only do things that make sense. So for me now, if what I'm doing didn't make sense, I'll stop it. Mm-hmm. But for me, I feel amazing. So it's like, it makes sense to continue. Are you willing to endorse that for the whole black community? Okay, for the whole black community, I feel like when you do things, you always should make a informed decision. So like when I was eating my chicken, I was eating fish and whatever, whatever I was eating, I didn't know about the other side of the argument. You with me? So like, I believe everybody should have all the information presented to them. Okay, you know, here's the pros, here's the cons. You know, if you eat meat, it pumps with hormones, this and that. And then you should all get, also get the, the pros of it. Okay, it's a quick way to get your protein or whatever it may be. Then based on the information you presented, you as an individual say, hey, here's my decision. I've never told anybody to go around doing anything. I wouldn't look down on you for eating You're a unique vegan, I'll tell you that. Like, the the vegans that I've met have been... And that goes back to my point about the element of shame culture. Yeah. Shame's maybe a strong those, word, those but there's that like, kind like of... like new vegans to some extent. There's a sneeriness to like, like, no, people I'm, that... I'm, you know, but that's, that's yeah, never... That's not you. There is definitely that element of shame culture, and I see this in the health community where people who are vegans will they're very judgmental about people who I was, still i was once not like, i was the worst so i could and if you said to me hey paul you should go vegan because this and this and this i would i'll be in my feet don't, don't disturb me <laughs> yeah. so i would never want to do put someone in that same position yeah but, but but people can be very judgmental i, I, I think yeah, just as a whole people are judgmental about the way other people eat mm. and you know because we eat food has so much it's not just about nutrition it's about Emotion, there's culture, mm-hmm. so it, it has a lot of meaning, and so people put judgment on what other people are eating, whether they're eating enough, are they eating the right things, do the, what do they think about what that other person is mm-hmm. eating? So the shame goes both ways. I didn't realize that 70% of black people are lactose intolerant. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that high, which is crazy. Does that should that tell black people that there are certain foods and certain um, chemicals ingredients that just aren't good for the majority of of our bodies and therefore the vegan diet is something that even if you don't turn vegan you should seriously question what you're eating and consuming i think you know the the wider point that people need to think about what they're putting in their body is Mm -hmm. a really important one you know you touched about on chemicals and hormones that are put into the food and it has an effect on us you know you were you said you were angry you know you you weren't getting enough nutrients as soon as you put the right things in your body whether it's meat or vegetables it will make a difference that's why a lot of people who do go vegetarian or vegan Mm. they do feel feel better in the short term if they plan it well Um, but yes going back to your original point 70% of people of African origin are lactose intolerant but it's their varying degrees mm. some people they can have a little milk mm-hmm. they can have a little cheese it's it's all dependent on them but you need to do your research you sure. need to figure out what yeah, yeah exactly can i add to that as well it's just we need to get to an understanding of how 
how as a as a people we got to such a large amount of people within our community being lactose intolerant or having these heart diseases we were we were slaves up until about 1833 that's about 100 100 or so years we were reared like cattle our dna didn't move across the globe as the rest of the species did and we have developed these uh, uh, defects or diseases that are unique to us for those reasons. Mm. The diet that we were on while we were slaves was cultivated of, uh, that's why we have chicken foot, cow foot, all of these parts of meat that were throwaways, that became our cuisine. We've made it into a delicious cuisine, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but yeah, but, but all, of those, all, of, all of those meals were low in nutrients, low you in proteins, that's, and, that's and that's as, as we've grown, we've reared our bodies to, to, adapt, to adapt to that. So that's therefore, we, it's a, it's a, so it's like a blanket statement. So the amount of people that were slaves, there was still a lot of people who were lactose intolerant who weren't. No, no, no. And of course, but this is this is the way that genes work. <laughs> the, the gene, your gene pool have a problem, and right. over time, okay. over time. Wait a so, so like, where are you from? What country? In Caribbean. Caribbean. So like the issues, let's say, going back, mm-hmm. yeah, or even going forward. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's a gene pool. Let's say in a in a. African village, yeah. right? And they say the gene pool in the Caribbean. Let's say if some issues are of similar, have similar traits, like the lactose intolerance, would you would you still be of the same belief that you know because of how we've lived over the last four hundred years that some of these problems? No, I, I would to put be? that to a, to a, to a larger picture, the, yeah. the picture of evolution and the picture of the way that your body your body uh, delivers and deals with problems. Okay. You, your body as a whole, over the generations, has been delivered many diseases, many problems. Um, and, and what it does is, over time, it's given that problem, and with your DNA and with all of the proteins within that body, generations will die, fine. But over time, that body will produce the immune system and the, and the organs that it needs to deal with that problem. What I'm saying is, whilst in slavery, we weren't allowed that position. We weren't allowed the amount of people to, to have a, enough of a, to deliver that function. We were, we were kept in a small period rather than being... I'm no, because I'm, I'm saying it. I'm saying because I'm, I'm no, a direct I really, impact. Yeah, yeah. I have a direct impact. So I have that. I have. Uh, I have uh, in my family mm-hmm. uh, a heart disease trait. Mm-hmm. I have in my family same, same. Uh, a, a, a lactose intolerance. Yeah. And when I look on a broader scale to to uh, my peers, my white peers, they don't have those issues. They have they have different issues. But the dietary issues that that induce those two things, they don't have. So they don't have to sit around and say, actually, I don't want to have that milk today. I'm going to have. They don't do that. And that's a different problem. And we've got that problem for a reason. Just got to wrap up very briefly. Um, just, just finally, what would your advice be to people who uh, maybe are kind of have heard the vegan, the, the, the fashionable, the term vegan kind of floated around? Yeah. What would your advice as a nutritionist be to to black people in particular beyond you know work towards a more balanced diet? I'd say everyone can eat more vegetables. That's something that everyone can do. And, and should do. Yes, should do. do. And I think when you think, we talk about five portions of fruits and vegetables every day, but really it's about going beyond that and understanding that a portion of fruit and vegetables, emphasizing vegetables, is only 80 grams. So that's half an avocado. That's like two or three florets of broccoli. That's... Um, four tablespoons of kale. So when you break it down, it's not that much. much. And I think one of the biggest issues is that people are intimidated by vegetables and that if you're trying to figure out the best way to eat, the biggest thing is just to add in more vegetables 
and then think about the quality of the food that you eat. If you want to eat meat, just eat the highest quality the that you can afford. Mm -hmm. Dairy, eggs, highest quality. Okay, that's brilliant. Um, guys, that was great. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. We are here on Blackademic TV. Subscribe. All of our socials, we're across uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Until next week, peace. So, Alex, um, what do you reckon? Uh, first of all, are you vegan? I'm not vegan. You're I just, vegan. I don't eat red meat. Okay. I'd actually, I don't eat land animal. Let's say that. Okay. Let's say I don't okay. eat land animal and I don't eat birds. Okay, Put it that way. I, I eat fish, so I want to say pescatarian, but I think we have too many labels for too many things. <laughs> it becomes very confusing. Okay, right um, right. I like plant-based stuff. Yes, um, it was a very interesting debate. Yeah, you know, um, very, very interesting, and you know, I think it's a, it is a, it is a question of um, just knowing what you want to achieve and what you want to ingest, sort of thing. I think it's, I think the overarching idea was about mindful eating. Um, you know, Paul had that question about organic. Uh, you know, not question, but he said about the organic food, yeah. and, and that's like food that people were originally eating mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. So whether they were only eating, you know, like vegetables or whatever, they were always eating grass-fed meats mm -hmm. that they actually lived with and learnt about mm -hmm. and knew about. Um, so yeah, I think that that's something that's something to look at when we're looking into how we eat food and what we eat and why we eat it. I think you know? um, I think something that I, I asked. Um, Lenise was basically about whether black people should just be looking, if you're not going to go vegan, it's not for everybody, should black people should be just looking, and I suppose people, period, but in the context of this show, should more black people just be looking for a more balanced and better diet anyway? So even if you're going to still eat meat, she made a really good yeah. point about, if you're going to eat meat, eat the best meat. Yeah. If you're going to eat dairy, go for the best dairy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and eating more vegetables as well, mm -hmm. I thought was a very, very good I've point. always said that if I was to go, in, if I was to eat a bird again, <laughs> I would probably, it would have to be the an highest old, echelon the bird. highest echelon of bird. <laughs> it have to be a, you know, a prime bred <laughs> pheasant from the fields of wherever. <laughs> but um, now I'm thinking it had to be an organic. A bougie, a bougie bird. It had to be a bougie bird. <laughs> I'm thinking like it would have to be an, an animal, an animal, it had to be an animal that is organic mm -hmm. and has been, and I, so I know exactly how the animal's been raised I would have to put, I would have to just put a bit more thought into it rather than just picking it up from somewhere sure. and you know just eating like like meat that's been pumped with water and all these other things that just tend to decrease our life indeed um, so just before we go guys um, don't forget to subscribe to Acast if you haven't done so already follow us yep. on Twitter Facebook and Instagram um, our next section is a very brief section we caught up with the athlete and broadcaster Adia Depiton for who he thinks within the black culture is overrated or underrated enjoy bye So I'm joined by Adia Depitan, who took part in one of our debates, and I want to have a discussion with you very briefly, Ad. Mm -hmm. And I want to know from you, who is your person, thing, or period of time who you feel is either underrated mm. or overrated? Um, it's a really tough question, you know, Jordan. Why are you, why are you throwing these questions out <laughs> and, and, and twisting my melon like this? Um, I, I, I'm going to go for a period of time, which I think... Um, 
uh, it's surprisingly, I still think people underestimate the impact that it's had. And I'm talking about um, the period of slavery and colonialism, mm -hmm. because I think um, the echoes and the impact of slavery and colonialism, are, we are still feeling it today, even though it was um, hundreds of years ago, well, a hundred, just over a hundred years ago. Um, but I think you, it's, it's the, the fact that the USA, who are the most powerful nation in the world, still haven't dealt with this issue. Um, and it seeps into their politics. It seeps into every part of their lives. It's why you have, I think it's, it's still a reason why you have so, such a high percentage of black people in jails in America when, uh, when the, whereas the black population is so small. In, in America, so there's a massive discrepancy in that. And all over the world, race is still a big issue and it tends to be surrounded black and white and I think it's a lot of echoes from slavery. Do you feel that, you mentioned prisons and, and the proportion of black people that make up the prison system in the States, is that almost like the modern day version of slavery? Yes, yeah, it is, it is. It's, uh, it, it, it's the fact that I think white people um, or or non-black people in the states have still not overcome that or or gone past that mentality of seeing black people as a threat or as the other um and they still haven't accepted them uh properly in in, in the usa and until the usa accepts that and moves on it will have an impact all over the world because their politics has an impact all over the world. Do you think that the bigger issue is either with slavery, that the kind of legacy 100 years on has been the, the, the identity problems that black people still have, or is it an understanding problem that the white people still have in terms of not understanding that they are not superior to any other race? Did, or maybe combo of the two, do, do you think it's an identity issue with black people that, we, that seats back to that time of slavery? There's definitely, I mean, if you're in the States, if you've only, you only have to look back two generations mm -hmm. and you have family members who are slaves, mm -hmm. That's a massive thing. Uh, who is, because the way slaves were seen, they were seen as other, they were seen as less than human, um, the way they were treated, uh, all of, all of that, the opportunities that they were denied, the lack of education, the way it affected them physically because they weren't, um, yeah, yeah they were bred in a certain way, you know, just saying, mm -hmm. saying that humans were bred. That, sure. I mean, that's just, just awful. That, the, the ramifications of, of that, are just a huge mm -hmm. in America, and on the on the flip side of that, the way uh, the white people, especially the ruling elite, who've benefited from the slave trade mm -hmm. in the past, who are rich because of it, the, the way they still perceive black people, and also the threat, you know, that they feel that that, that black people cause, that has a, it's just damaging on the country, and the country won't progress. I think before you can. Before you can move on, you have to acknowledge the, the sins of your past. Mm -hmm. And it has to happen on both sides. There has to be some sort of reconciliation before they can move on. I mean, South Africa almost did it with Mandela. It's a shame 25 years on from the end of apartheid that they're still having those issues. But then when you have something that's been um, imposed on the society for a hundred years, it doesn't happen in a quarter of it. It doesn't change no, overnight no, 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 in a quarter no, no, no. of a century. But I'd say the same with um, with America, you know. And just finally, Ads, do, do you work in the media. 
do you see a legacy of slavery in terms of the mentality changing amongst white people which make up most of the media in terms of how they see other people, black people in the media or how they report and talk about uh, black people. Basically what I'm asking is, do, mm. do you feel that we have now allies of white people that are finally understanding their privilege and how to deal and interact with black people? First and foremost, before we can move on, before the, the human race can be all it can be, we have to see people as people. And that might sound a little bit airy-fairy, but it's the truth, you know, because until we do that, you know, we are denying, uh, we're, we're not maximising the opportunity or the potential of, of the world. I think in terms of allies and in terms of progression in the media in the UK, it's a generational thing. I think there's a generation who are the decision makers mm. who still have this unconscious bias. Mm. They don't realize it, they don't know it, but it's there, it's something that they've grown up with. They've grown up with seeing things in a certain way and that certain way doesn't necessarily include people like me and yourself. Mm. Um, and I think until that generation is moved out and a new generation comes in, I think things aren't gonna change. That's, that's great, thank you very much. No, cheers. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.